0: The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Rogers News.
1: And so to your point about hybrid working, I think it's it's a company culture. Each company is determining what its culture is and how, whether they want to work two days, three days, four days, a week, five days. And obviously hybrid working is here to stay, but each company is determining what its culture is.
2: That was Shobi Khan, chief executive of Canary Wharf Group, speaking to The Exchange, the viewsroom's Room's sister podcast last year, when a rumor was circulating about HSBC quitting Canary Wharf. Fast forward to today and HSBC has confirmed it will be leaving its London headquarters and moving to a smaller space in the capital. The shifting working patterns and what that means to commercial property owners like Canary Wharf is the focus of this week's Views Room. Welcome back to the Views Room, a podcast where there's breaking views where columnists from around the world talk about the big stories of the week. I'm your host, Amy Donlan, coming to you from London. Canary Wharf, a financial hub in East London, made headlines recently when HSBC said it would be vacating its London headquarters for a smaller place in the capital. The news is a blow to Canary Wharf as a centre, but also raises questions about how working from home will impact commercial property, not just in Britain, but across the world. Here to talk to me about all things office and property is George Hay, Breaking News head of INEA, and and Chen, who is our property expert. Both of my my guests this week wrote a very interesting piece about Canary Wharf that really delved into a huge amount of detail. And George, you are actually sitting in Canary Wharf today, right?
0: I am, yes.
2: And and Yowen and I are both working from home, which would have been completely unheard of before the pandemic that we <laughs> would be able to work from home midweek. Mm-hmm. But I think that this sort of this is exactly what is going on, right, with commercial property is that you know people are working remotely, they're being more flexible, and this is calling into question, HSBC and others are starting to think to themselves, do we really need all this space? Do I need a building that is as high as, as the one in Canary Wharf uh, if I have another one and I can kind of make use of of people doing lots of things differently. So I think that was sort of why we wanted to delve into this topic. For people who don't know Canary Wharf uh, and its many pret a mangers and all of that as well as we do, um, George, could you tell us a little bit about the history of Canary Wharf? Like what is Canary Wharf and how did it come about?
0: Right, well, Canary Wharf is um a uh, largely office estate in the east end of London in the so-called Docklands area. It's basically been around since the late 80s when it was developed by this uh, quite noted developer Paul Reichman and he was the kind of you know um, motive force behind turning it into a a new kind of office hub and the whole idea was that you come here from the city if you were a big bank um, you know JP Morgan Barclays you you might want to kind of uh, decamped as Canary Wharf because the rents are cheaper and you probably have more space and um, you have big trading floors, that's you know that's the kind of thing that would would appeal. And um it did appeal. Um the the thing that's really you need to bear in mind about a Canary Wharf as we talk about um the uh where we are now and the fact that things look a bit um difficult or hairy uh with people like HSBC leaving is that um um it's, you know it's, I say it's been around for 40 years but like pretty much it just seems to be a kind of strange um uh coincidence that around about uh the middle of each decade in the 90s and noughties the last decade and potentially now there always seems to be a bit of a kind of crunch um or some kind of problem that happens um basically uh Reichman's Olympia in York was the original developer went bust in 1992 And in 1995, it got bought out from the banks uh, by a consortium then. Then it kind of um, started to kind of snowball and they kind of got a few big hitters, big tenants like Barclays through the door. They set up shop. Then there was another kind of property correction. Then there was a leverage buyout of the uh, new Canary Wharf entity by uh, Morgan Stanley Consortium. And then after the 2008 financial crisis, there was again a tricky period, and that ended up with um, the uh, the estate, uh, well, what was now called the Canary Wharf Group, uh, being sold to Brookfield Property Partners, who are Canadian investment, and the Qatar Investment Authority. Um, so, and that happened in 2015. And um, so, what you have got to remember about it is uh, there's th- there's two different things. There's the Canary Wharf Group, which um, is the entity I just talked about. And they now own about uh, just over 40% of the uh, estates in terms of offices and various other things. Uh, And the rest is owned by various different developers. Um, And so it's important to kind of bear that in mind as we go through this chat, because they are two different things, but they are clearly obviously also related because um, uh, they're all basically in the same place. One one other thing that I just kind of... um, add before we kind of get into this is that there is quite a kind of irony in terms of hsbc leaving at the moment because i my, actually as it happens my first as well as being here right now um my first job um at the university was basically working kind of in the canary War area about 20 years ago and i can tell you now it was an absolute dump because because there wasn't <laughs> there weren't there weren't good places to kind of go it was quite hard that there was a, there's a kind of rather rather um undersized transport link called the Docklands Lake, Light like railway that gets you here and then there was the Jubilee line and um when those th- two things broke as they had a habit of doing you were kind of stranded here with without even anywhere good to kind of go and drown your sorrows so and what's happened since then a the lot even the last couple of years they've had this thing called the Elizabeth line that's opened and um that allows you to go from Canary Wharf into the centre of London in about 10 minutes. There's a real kind of quantum leap. And that's kind of coincided with loads and loads of really good and pretty decent bars and restaurants opening up. So the the the, the, the slightly ironic, um, you know, uh, peg for where we are at the moment is that Canary Wharf as a place is kind of quite a lot better than it was. So that's that's where we are at the moment. So and
1: there are more said... people, oh. okay. I'm sorry, and, and, and there are more people living in Canary Wharf now, right, surprisingly? Right. I can see some of the overseas students here. Yes. Um, yeah, like literally kind
0: of Exactly. So, like five years ago, I don't. I think literally, hardly, pretty much, no one lived here. Now, there's like three and a half thousand people live here in flats, and that's again another change, and again makes it seem less like a soulless office block.
2: But so this is this is sort of as you say, it is interesting that all of this is happening. Like, right? so they're getting better bars. You know, better retailers, all of that kind of stuff. It's it's definitely more of a buzz around the the place. But yeah, you know, and what is what is going on in commercial property? Do you think in general? So there are lots of concerns about property, and why do you think Canary Wharf is sort of a barometer for for any of this?
1: Well, I think HSBC's exit is kind of like a perfect example to <laughs> explain this, right? Like they've been one of the first tenants here. Um, they've been here for over. Two decades um, they have 40 something stories um, 1.1 million square foot is a giant building but it, I think ever since the pandemic they realized they've probably just used maybe half of that that's why they're moving to a place that's half the size um, so it's it's kind of it's it's kind of a problem when now you're you have this work from home trend and also there are more requirements or a desire to have energy efficient buildings. And some of the buildings in Canary Wharf are relatively older. Like for example, this one, the HSB has been it's been around 20 years, right? And um, you know, one tenant was telling me for them to upgrade a building, you you have to put in extra capital as well. Um and that's something that could require a significant amount of investment from Brookfield and QIA. Um so those Who are the
2: owners of Canary Wharf, right?
1: of Canary Wharf group.
2: But it's interesting. I mean, it, I spoke to the CEO of Canary Wharf group for the for our sister podcast The Exchange and when I put all of this to him because actually the week that I met him there was a rumor that HSBC was thinking about leaving. They hadn't actually confirmed it. And so I put this whole idea to him that you know offices were going to be it was going to be really tricky uh, to get uh, like somebody like HSBC to take that amount of space again and the answer was don't worry, we have this sort of pivot. We are doing all sorts of other things as we laid out all the different retail. Um, so, Jan, can you tell us a little bit about the idea that they—that I guess it becomes less focused on offices and how that all works?
1: Yeah, it's already kind of happening in Canary Wolf like, and then Canary Wolf, Wolf Group Group as well. Like, if you look at their portfolio, it's uh, 18% uh, retail right now. Um, But I think rents are probably still need some work to get up to the office level. There there, there are a lot of tenant incentives going on to keep the food and beverage tenants Um, and 8% is residential. And I think there is this ambition to really increase the number of people living on the estate, especially because I think a lot of overseas um, uh, tenants like, you know, Asian students studying in the UK, they're quite attracted to very modern high-rises and quite used to it. So, um, and and even among the office tenants, you can see that they've reduced the uh, percentage of financial services tenants to about 54%. And there are there is now an increasing focus on uh, life sciences. I think that's something... Canary Wharf Group really wants to emphasize on like the building a giant lab building that's supposed to be one of the highest in Europe, uh, biggest in Europe. Um, And I think rents could be commissioning at the level that's, you know, much higher than the current level of 55 pounds per square foot. Um, But the problem is that that's also quite a small percentage. Right now it's only 1% of the entire office portfolio of Canary Wharf Group. So that will take a while.
2: So this is it George. I suppose the question then is how likely is this pivot to work? What What are your thoughts on that given the sort of makeup of Canary Wharf what we see today?
0: Yeah well I mean I think Jarwan um, touched on it there. I mean the part of the problem is like the majority maybe even three quarters of uh, the estate um, but, but certainly for CWG but like that's uh, the Canary Wharf group entity but um, uh, in general, I mean, it's still known very much as an office. Um, you know, it's it's an it's an office hub. It's not the, the those other things you were mentioning are clearly things that they might be able to um kind of morph it into, but at the moment, it's essentially an office hub. And you, the you know, the the the, the issue is like, um, basically, if you're um. <laughs> It, at, the, at this particular point in time uh yeah can, everyone can see is that rates are going up interest rates are going up mm-hmm. and um that means that uh the kind of rate that you would expect from uh a place if you're if you're investing in canary wharf if you're one of the um owners of one of the buildings there or more to the point if you were thinking about buying one of those things the kind of um rates you would the kind of yields you might want would be um, well, certainly a lot higher than uh, where interest rates are. So you might be looking at kind of 7 or 8% in terms of a yield. In order to get up to those kind of um, uh, levels without just having to kind of, without these people coming in and demanding a lower price when they buy these buildings, um, the rents just need to go up. Like the rents, we need to go up from the £55 per square foot level that um, Yarwin was talking about. And... um the, the 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 trouble with um having a load of where well, if you just stop the clock where we are with the office sector at the moment, um it looks quite hard hard for that to happen because um the if you have basically if you if you have a what 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 people in property call a vacancy rate which is just like the amount of um your space that is not filled with a tenant, um if you have quite a high vacancy rate which in in the Docklands area. You do, it's about fifteen percent, which is quite high for a um property estate. If you have that you don't have much competitive pressure in order to kind of um increase rents. Mm-hmm. And um uh and at the same time you're getting, you know, the, the pressure in, in in a in a way is in the other way, it's in the other direction. It's like yeah. um for the reasons Yahweh I was talking about, people are downsizing, um, and some of the buildings on the estate, the wider estate are a bit long in the tooth and they probably need quite expensive upgrades and uh, maybe you know it so happens that Canary Wharf Group which owns uh, you know 40% of the estate uh, Brookfield and QIA are um, very deep pocketed and they probably can put some money in to kind of upgrade the estate but that's not the case for all the landlords so if you if you add it all up it's quite difficult to see how um rents go up much. And it's quite feasible to imagine they might, you know, be struggling for a bit. And then that creates um, a bit of a problem for um, any situation where you have a lot of debt rolling over in the next couple of years. And that, unfortunately, for Canary Wharf Group is where they are. They've got about £4 billion uh, of debt and uh, about a third of that is rolling off in the next few years, and you know what, where you don't want to be as a um, property, uh, as a, a property group or um, a property market is in a situation where um, values are kind of falling. Values of the, the office buildings are falling, and um, the the banks who provided you that debt might be a bit worried about rolling over that debt. Because if they don't roll over the debt, then you have to start getting into where you really don't want to be, which is like fire sales and um, you just have to kind of sell assets for whatever price you can get. And then that really has a really terrible effect on the market. And anyone who has a house will understand that's how that's, you know, that's that's the kind of what happens in the housing market as well. Um, So the whole thing is like, uh, you know, from Canary Wharf Group's perspective, there is a bit of an issue um, because uh, they do have this refinancing hump. The thing that offsets that is they've got these deep-pocketed owners like Brookfield and QIA, QIA who might be able to, um, you know, just put more equity in and help that so that two-fifths of the, the estate to kind of um, keep its head above water. And that's quite possible. But, like, as we've been talking about earlier, the real issue for the estate is more that the wider estate of Canary Wharf is um, you've got this long-term like kind of head scratcher about how rents are going to go up and rents are going to get not going to go up. You don't really, you know, it makes everything rather, rather more difficult.
2: And if you think about like, if you kind of go back to what you were saying, George, at the beginning, just about like the different crises that Canary Wharf Group had, had gotten into in the past, they were sort of financial crises that then impacted the group, whereas there does seem to be sort of like an existential question about office property that is sort of unanswered, right? Yeah, and I right. think that that is sort of, that's sort of the issue for all of these commercial property landlords, is you can't, you can't sort of wish this away and say, well, this recession or whatever it is, this this uh, economic difficulty, inflation will be out of the way in a couple of years and we'll get back to normal. There is this sort of question of, Will will people go back to offices in the way that they did? And if they don't, is there a need in the way that it was before for your for your services? And can you charge as much? And I think yeah. that's sort of the interesting question. For, yeah, it's for diff-
0: exactly. It's a difference between a cyclical and a kind of structural problem. And um, you do, you know, there is there is. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to be too down on the idea that it could be. Um, it's. Uh, it's impossible for Canary Wars Plan B to come, come off, you know. I mean, as I said, it is a better place to hang out than it was, which is at least a start. And you, and they are seeing people, a lot more people than used to be the case, kind of coming here at weekends and in the evenings. And it's like a kind of more than it was a destination for people to go and hang out in, which is at least a start. But, like, um, the question is just, as we we're saying, it's just like, are they only... Are, in the immediate future or even like longer than that are they going to be able to kind of replace the kind of rents they would get from a kind of JP Morgan staying here saying yes I'm going to stay here for 20 years I'm going to fill all my buildings and you know and uh, you know I'm going to pay pay up to do so are they going I to be able to do that in the same way with other tenants?
1: I guess the HSBC building will be a great example to monitor right because i think their lease is up in 2027 20, 20, um right. the building is wholly owned by QIA and it will be interesting to see what QIA is going to do about it and who are the new tenants that Who's may come yeah
0: <laughs> yeah but and and, and equally it's it will be interesting to see if it's uh you know one big tenant or perhaps more likely whether it's like 20 different tenants on uh shorter tenancy agreements and again if you're an investor you probably size that up and say well I don't know it depends who they are but like you might you would probably be more attracted by the idea of one big very very big blue chip company saying I'm going to hang around for 20 years and yeah. I'm going to pay the rent for 20 years and you would value those cash flows probably a bit higher so there's there's that as well so it's a kind of nuanced, it it, it is a bit of a nuanced picture and again i, I don't want to don't want to say that the person who was telling you that about the, the plan b for Canary Wharf is just um talking out, <laughs> out and out rubbish it's it's not impossible but it's just that's why we yawen and i described this as a kind of bit of a tall order because it's it's it i think some people have overstated how easy it is to just pivot from um, you know, an office market, which is like the, the majority of your state and under some strain at the moment.
2: Yes, absolutely. Well, very interesting. Um, thank you, George, and thank you, Jan. See you at Canary Wharf. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was produced by Oliver Kashtich in London. Subscribe to the Views Room and our sister podcast, The Exchange, on Apple Podcasts megaphone or wherever you like to listen i'm kim Vanel join me every morning for a roundup of what's happening at home and around the world from the front line in ukraine
0: extraordinary how these people adjust
2: and uh, even laugh when you take cover to the heart of U.S. politics. When Trump said that he expected to be arrested, it seems like he was trying to get ahead of the story. We bring you everything you need to know in 10 minutes. For your essential daily briefing, follow Reuters World News wherever you get your podcasts.